On this episode of the Average Sean Podcast, Chris and I dive into a little bit more than football this week after last weekend's rather unimpressive slate of games. Uh, We dive into a little bit of NHL talk, quick little NBA touch, as well as some uh, World Series. And then, as always, we wrap everything up with our college football picks of the week uh, that we expect to come from the upcoming weekend. And then, as always, I will finish it up with my normal uh, request to rate, review, and subscribe us, especially if you're on Apple Podcasts. Uh, You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Average Sean Media, spelled out A-V-G-S-E-A-N Media. Uh, But without further ado, let's go. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Average Sean Podcast. Chris, uh, let's let's not shy away from the truth. This past weekend, in terms of football action, pretty bad, wasn't it? It was a weird weekend. That's safe to say. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I wasn't a huge fan of the NFL slate. Schedule-wise, it was a little f- weird. It was terrible, in all honesty. You know, all it was really that you didn't really have many middle-of-the-pack teams playing or some, like, kind of lower upper end teams. So like Dallas was on a bye week. Um, I can't think of who else was on a bye week, but I know some other teams that the Chargers, um, you know, they were on the bye. So like missing those two teams kind of, you know, misses a little bit of uh, of action that you think games could be closer. So, you know, like it was basically the best teams playing some of the worst teams like Tampa Bay ran all over Chicago. Uh, they looked like hot garbage. Um, the Sunday night, cap was played in the monsoon so that game was just disgusting to begin with i'll i'll be frank i, I didn't watch much of it just because i, I knew that game was going to be pretty gross uh even, would, mon- even monday night was pretty bad um yeah i mean i, I found last night's game so monday night's game to be a little more interesting than uh sunday night's game just about every snap i saw of sunday night's game was a fumble <laughs> i mean uh-huh. and rightly so they were getting like record amount of rain they were I heard at halftime they switched out the balls, which, as far as I know, that's not normal NFL policy. Um, that's just because of how wet they were. Um, also, uh, more interesting than that is that I felt like the one o'clock starts had the best like games as as a, as a whole. And I, you know, I don't know if this is a product of the league expanding to eighteen weeks or not. Um, but it's interesting, and I hope it doesn't repeat itself. Um, well, for being honest, the best game was between two of the worst teams between Atlanta and Miami. Yeah, well. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to say to it either. Um, there, there's been some rumors flying around with Miami that uh, Tua is going to be traded from Miami, potentially to my team in Washington, uh, as Miami ramps up their pursuit of Deshaun Watson. Uh, part of me still kind of wishes that Dan Snyder, since he already is, such a huge scumbag would just lean into his scumbag role at this point, and he would go after Deshaun. But Deshaun has a no trade clause, and he probably wants nothing to do with Washington. Can't understand why he seems like yeah. he would fit right in <laughs> with all these allegations. Uh, but he probably wants nothing to do with us. He seems very intent on wanting Miami, so he's going to go there, and he'll get—I don't know what he'll get. 
But if Washington gets Tua, uh, unfortunately, I don't think his career will look much better because, I mean, he looked good on Sunday. I honestly, I don't understand why Miami is giving up on him so easily because he can be good. He's shown flashes of it. I mean, he tossed four touchdowns. I know he had an egregiously bad interception during the game, but, you know, take that one play out of it. He looked good, and he looks like he can develop. It's just for some reason the franchise decided, like, I don't know, two or three weeks into him actually playing last year that he wasn't the guy, and they've just been trying to find a way to get off of him. Yeah, you have to wonder if it's anything behind closed doors. I mean, he has shown flashes of being a game changer. Um, my biggest concern with him is injuries. I mean, and we've already seen that this year. He has a track record of injuries at Alabama, um, some significant injuries at that. So it's not, you know, I guess investing it, you know, your future in him is a little dicey. Um, would you be a fan uh, if, if he came up, shipped up north here to Washington? Honestly, I'm not really a fan of anybody that comes to Washington because I'm afraid <laughs> we'll ruin them. Like uh, Chase, Young, field. Chase, Chase Young year one looks phenomenal this year. The dude looks like for as incredible shape as he's in that he just gets gassed at like every five plays. So I don't know what's in the water around here, but something's going on that just like diminishes players football prowess. He's doing too many car commercials. That's why. <laughs> uh, well, you know, <laughs> hey, get, get your money while you can, man, because Washington will ruin you in a heartbeat. So, yeah. I mean, I'm also I'm going to take this time to just, uh, you know, for, for those of you who have been following along, Sean and I have been uh, making NFL picks on every game throughout the season, just kind of keeping a rough overall record. And through six weeks, we are dead even tied at what is it? I believe 60 and 40, 60 and 35, something like that. Yeah, I it's uh, 65 and 40. 65 and 40. I started off red hot uh, and I've tapered off where you started a little bit rough, but you called up pretty quickly. So uh, needless to say, there isn't as much of a spread between us as there is in college football. Yeah. Well, that's a whole nother conversation. Well, this past weekend with college football was a whole nother conversation too, because that was pretty rough uh, watching. Yeah. The, Best action was a nine overtime game between Illinois and Penn State that Penn State lost. Yeah, so what would, I don't know if you were able to catch any of that, but what are your thoughts on this whole new overtime rule? Um, part of me likes it because it does make it a little bit more exciting. Um, I equate it similarly to the shootout in hockey or soccer. Uh, and in fact, I think that it shouldn't be called overtime. I think it should just be called a shootout at that point because – one overtime for them already is untimed. So it, it kind of contradicts the name to begin with, but it just feels like it fits more. You know, you're running one play to see if you get in the end zone and a shootout for hockey or soccer is you get one shot on the goal. You don't get multiple shots for that individual player. It just happens to be, you know, football. You can't send one guy up there. You have to send the whole 11. So I like it. Uh, I would have liked it better if it were two teams that can execute better. I think it definitely is better than the constantly, you know, everybody starts at the 25 yard line because that just, it just feels cheap. So at least, at, you know, the two point conversions, it's clear, like, okay, we want to get the heck out of here, but we're going to give you guys some excitement in the process. I can see that. I mean, I'm, I like how it's different, but at the same time, I completely understand and almost want to side with the argument that, 
that's not football. Um, so I, I don't know. Part of me is like, well, if you want to do a shootout type of concept, like let's just have the kickers go at it with the moving the kickers back. But then again, that's also not football. I mean, so, college, college kickers are not, uh, notoriously terrible in the clutch. So of course. So, you know, that, that, that would end the game real quick. I know I have to say, I watching that, the, the end of that game, um, very surprised that Illinois was able to pull that off, especially considering that their starting quarterback looked like he broke his wrist. I haven't followed up and, and checked, but it looked like he broke his wrist after the third overtime. So good on good on them for being, you know, having a capable backup of coming in and pulling the upset off. Um, but safe to say Illinois football is still uh not not too happening. <laughs> they're they'll get there. I mean, Brett Bielema's a good coach. It's his first year, so they'll they'll improve to being solid. They'll they'll never be anything great, but they'll be better than what they were for sure. Uh, you know, just it, I know that it's not football, but the overtime in football is an imperfect solution. Whether you're talking about the professional level or the collegiate level, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, the perfect solution should be the same as it is for basketball, where you know, you have another period, it's time to whoever has the highest score at the end of the period uh, wins. Problem with football is just there's no guarantee that you'll score during that time frame. I mean, how many NFL games have we seen come close to being a tie this year to barely eke it out in like the last minute of the game? Yeah, I mean, and I worry about injuries. Um, I, you know, I even worry about that in the NBA. I worry about that in the NHL. When you get these these overtimes, I'm just worried about injury. And maybe that's just me siding with the players too much. But um, I know that hockey, they used to play two overtimes and then they call, call it a tie. The reason that, that they went away from that and have now changed it since to it's now a completely different format Two there's been two different versions of the overtime. This three on three exists now. Um, the reason that they went away from the ties is because too many players were getting hurt in overtime. Um, and of course, you know, you don't want players kind of, you know, half-assing it in overtime, you know, they're paid professionals and it, especially with football, it gets, uh, it's, it's tricky. You know, I, I think it is an imperfect science and uh, I don't know. I would expect some, something to change though, because there's been a lot of feedback and a lot of not so positive stuff to that. That, geez, I almost said double overtime, nine <laughs> overtime game. Yeah, I mean, it's it, there's never going to be a perfect solution to it because the whole reason why they're not doing that timed period is because of health and safety concerns. Right. I'll admit, I I love the three v three in hockey. I think it's crazy. I think it opens up the ice so much more. Anytime the Caps are in a three v three overtime, my heart is absolutely pounding. It feels so good when they win, and it's absolutely soul-crushing when they lose, which I think, like, in terms of what you want as a product, I think that's exactly where you want to be. So I, I love that. Uh, the shootout in hockey, I think, is a little bit iffy for me compared to, like, soccer shootouts. But I think the difference with that is, like, you can get so close to the goal that it, it kind of takes away from a little bit of the drama because sometimes – a player's move is just so good. The goalie doesn't have a shot at saving it. Whereas with soccer, it, it really is just a complete guessing game. And you have no clue what's going to happen, no matter what happens when the guy steps up to take his penalty kick. So there's give and takes. I, I think 3v3 for hockey is perfect. Uh, the shootout, I'm not huge on. I get why they do it, uh, especially for health and safety reasons. Uh, same with soccer, but I just think soccer shootout comes off a little bit better than hockey's. Yeah, I mean, this, the shootout's always been a part of hockey, um, not so much in the NHL, 
over in Europe. And um, for those of you who don't know, NHL rules have always been totally different. Uh, they play on a different size sheet of ice, a smaller rink than what they do in Europe and in the international, even in the Olympics this coming uh, winter. Um, they play on a much bigger rink and uh, their games are, they, they don't play overtime, I believe. They, I believe they go right to a shootout. So that's always been a part of hockey. Um, the 3v3 is crazy. Um, it's it's funny. I think that we're like four years into this 3v3 now. And because uh, it used to just be a five on five um, in the overtime and not enough goals were being scored too many games were going to the shootout um the 3v3 is crazy the pace is unreal teams have it down to a science now though um and for those of you who haven't watched it basically a team will enter the zone if they don't find that there's a good opportunity they'll actually back themselves out of the zone um and it creates this weird uh possession type of game um that is really involved just basically half sheet of ice rushes um that does not happen in any other situation so that is kind of cool players are gassed absolutely gassed that much ice with that few of players there's so much room that you have to cover and it's just end to end it is super exciting i think the players like it um and yeah, I mean, so far so good. There are some people, uh, some big wigs in hockey, even Mario Lemieux, who's a fan of hockey being four on four regularly instead of five on five, um, just to open it up some. Um, which there are there are also health and safety things around that. The game has gotten so fast compared to even where it was 20, 30 years ago. Um, they've either they've talked about expanding the ice rink. Uh, to play what they do in Europe, which slows the game down um, or getting rid of a player on the ice to alleviate headshots, especially, you know, the the, the chaos in the blue zone. I'm um, sorry, in, in the red zone in the middle of the ice. Um, so I don't know. I don't think any of that will change. Needless to say, overtime in college football, I think will change again, just a matter of when. Yeah, I mean, we seem to already be deep into the hockey conversation. So let, let's dive a little bit further into the start of the season. Uh, you know, I'm probably going to let you do most of the talking on this one because you're a little bit more uh, knowledgeable on everything than I am. But uh, the first thing I'm picking up on, Florida looks really good, like really, really good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the Caps also look okay. They look like they're going to be involved in a lot of crazy games this year. Uh, the Metro division itself just seems probably like the SEC of NHL. Yes. uh, where It's it's just good top to bottom. Um, St. Louis also looking good. They're, they're kind of one of those teams that just doesn't get a ton of publicity just because it's in St. Louis. Uh, it's, it's honestly, sometimes it's hard to remember that they're there just because you hear about so many teams leaving St. Louis, like the Rams that you go like, Oh yeah, they have the Cardinals. Oh yeah. They have the blues. (laughs) Hey, they just won the cup two years ago. Sorry, I, three, I, I, three I know, years ago but, at this point. I know, but speaking as an average fan, uh, you know, it's it, it's one of those things where, like, you know, if you're doing like a sporkle quiz and they're like, you know, name all the uh, the professional sports teams for the major four sports in America, the Blues are one that I'm likely to forget for no fault to no fault of St. Louis. It's just I just forget. Um, but the other two things that really really have stood out to me is. Why is Buffalo good now? And two, they're not. <laughs> well, why are they winning right now? But the other thing is, is Connor McDavid Jesus? Oh, okay. So 
I think David is a freak of nature. All right. Um, I think that's safe to say the dude is arguably like the best hockey player to ever play skill wise. Um, I'm going to be honest. I mean, he is that team has pieces in Edmonton, but I really don't see them making a cup run. I see them making the playoffs, but I don't see them making a cup run. They're very thin on the back end. I don't trust their goalie situation. But with that being said, Dreisaitl, McDavid, arguably the best, you know, one-two punch in the league. Both are absolute studs. Um, and yeah, it's just, I mean, it's so exciting to watch. Um, with that being said, McDavid is not the best two-way player. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of talk, obviously, comparing Austin Matthews and McDavid. I still think I would take uh, Matthews over McDavid just because he's a better defensive center. Um Obviously, both can put the puck in the net. Both are great distributors. Um, McDavid's been working on his trying to, to ramp up his one-timer that Dreisaitl has, I don't want to say perfected, because he's definitely not in the elite category of that, like Ovechkin. But Dreisaitl's top top 10 in the league and is just with his release on his one-timer. Um, so th- those are my thoughts there. McDavid, yeah, is ridiculous. I mean, it, it, the game comes so easy to him. If you haven't watched any Oilers hockey, I know they have a lot of the late games. Do it to yourself. Check it out. Uh, it's exciting. Every single time he's on the ice, every single time they're on the ice, um, they're lethal. Um, now, for the other comment about Buffalo, ugh, man, I know they're, they're winning right now. Now I w- But I'm also <laughs> going to say that every team in the NHL, regardless of how good or how bad, um, go through spurts of getting hot. It's a long season. Um, I just eventually things do even out. I, Buffalo has been great um, so far on the back end. And, uh, former Caps goalie, uh, playoff stud, if I want to say that. Um, notably, the Senators goalie, Craig Anderson, is now up there. He's 40. He's their starter, which is mind-boggling, honestly. Um, I thought he would, would have retired two years ago. Then last year he was brought on as a, our taxi squad guy when Lundquist was, you know, out with heart, uh, procedures and whatnot. Uh, Buffalo does not have the offense to keep up like this. I'm just telling you that right now. Um, I, you know, and I think that the big story surrounding Buffalo is the Jack Eichel thing, which for those of you who don't know, basically he got hurt last year with a neck injury. He, as a player, wants to have the surgery that Peyton Manning had a few years back, the fusion surgery. The team, Buffalo, does not want to let him have that surgery. And per the um, the CBA, the player does not get to make that decision. So uh, not to cut you off, but I thought it was the team wants him to have the fusion, but the what he wants is like a full-blown disc replacement. Because I, I thought that it was like with the fusion surgery – there's like more chances that you'll like have to have it worked on again and again, which could affect him long-term. Uh, I'm taking this straight from spinning checklists, by the way. So I might, I might have the terms mixed up, but regardless, whatever he wants to have done has never been done in the NHL before. It's, it's the disc replacement then, because I, if I remember correctly, biz uh, Paul Bissonnette was saying that like, it's just never been done yeah. in a major sport, which is why Buffalo is hesitant uh, because yeah, they, like there's there's no example for them to go to. Whereas you were just saying with the fusion, um, Peyton Manning's had it done, so they have examples they can point to. So I, I could be very very wrong. Uh, I am just I'm trying to pay more attention to the hockey world, uh, and that was a discussion I was hearing on Spit and Chicklets. So 
I, no, I, I, think, don't, I, I don't want to you know totally step on your toes here, but I, that's what I think is the case. No, I mean I'm I'm sure I I mixed up my terms, um, but I mean basically it's ex- exactly what I was saying. I I don't know what they're gonna do. There's talks that. Uh, he was he wants to get traded obviously he is by far the best player on that team um i i don't know the problem is is that his contract he carried i mean for those of you who don't know nhl has a hard cap floor and a hard cap ceiling you cannot spend a dollar over that so it makes trades tricky um a lot of people are not a fan of it i personally am i don't think that's going away um there aren't many teams that can afford him. There's been a lot of rumors of him going to Vegas. The thing is, is that wherever he goes, if he gets traded, which I think he will, he's not playing this year. That's safe to say. By the time he has that surgery, if he gets traded, part of the stipulation is that he's going to be able to get the surgery that he wants. And then he's with a neck surgery. My assumption would be he's out six months at least. Right. I mean, I don't know. I just, I personally don't want to see him go to Vegas. Um, there aren't many teams that can afford him. People are saying LA, which could be interesting. They have some, some high end prospects. Um, he, but he's a, he's a Boston kid. So I, you know, as much as I don't want to see him go to Boston, just cause caps seem to run into them every year in the playoffs. Um, you know, they, they just lost Krejci, uh, notable center of theirs. Um, won a few cups with them. Um, he did not retire playing. He just went back to his home uh, back in Czech Republic uh, kind of unexpectedly. So they need another center. Um, now, obviously that wouldn't be for this year, but I think, I mean, I think it's everyone's dream to play in their hometown. So we'll see what happens, but no, I don't think Buffalo is good to answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the rest of it, it seems like, you know, we're we're still early in the season. So some things seem obvious, like the Blackhawks look terrible. Uh, the Dude. Coyotes look terrible. Coyote. OK, so those you just brought up two, well, a few things. And I don't know how much you want to dive into this because I know we have some college games that we need to get to. I mean, feel free. Take your time. Blackhawks today, a huge bombshell dropped probably about two hours ago. Their GM, Stan Bowman had to step down. Um, there's a huge sexual allegations. I'm not sure if what's been proven guilty or not. I've, um, I've heard about that. So the unfortunate thing with like the coach who was basically dangling players careers in front of them for sexual favors, right? Yeah. Um, he was a goalie coach, I believe, or some, some film coach or something. He was not a main bench coach. Um, long story short, that was proved that just came out about two hours ago that a lot of notable players and coaches were aware of it. Um, for those of you who don't know, and when you brought up the Florida Panthers with their six and zero start, Joe Quenville was their head coach and he's now down in Florida. So how does that play into this? Does he fall next? I mean, it's been proven that he knew about this. That is fact. Um, another notable piece that was involved was Kevin Sheveldanoff, who is the Winnipeg Jets GM, um, who could also fall with that. Um, the Blackhawks, man, they made so many moves this past offseason. They brought in Flurry. They made the big free agent signing in um, – uh, sorry, not free agent. They traded for Seth Jones from Columbus, stud D-man, who has not lived up to expectations so far um flurry i mean the the team it's old it's a mixture of old and young and the young have not experienced uh, enough to be really contenders in any way shape or form uh they were a preseason surprise pick by a lot of guys um 
safe to say they have not started out that way. Now, granted, they're also running into some COVID issues. Um, I believe Taves was just added to that a few hours ago. Um, Kane hasn't been playing. So we'll see what happens. I don't, I, I, I would not rule them out yet. An 0 and 5, what are they? 0 5 and 1, 0 6 and 1. Um, yeah, that's bad. I think the worst part of it is that it even has their coach, who's the youngest coach in the NHL. I believe he's like 37. Who, I, the, Jeremy Carlton, at some point, um, I believe two games ago, just at the end of the game, they had a six on five, and he just straight up handed the, the whiteboard to the players on the ice. That is not good. <laughs> I don't care what level of coaching you're at. And I don't care if you have McDavid. I don't care if you have Sidney Crosby. You are not handing that whiteboard over. There needs to be a bit of a boundary set there. So that's a little concerning, especially being a young coach with a team that is struggling. So we'll see what happens. Blackhawks, definitely some 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 fog around that team right now. Yeah, uh, it's... So I'll put it in this context because I'm struggling to really find a comfortable way to talk about that sort of topic because it's, it's, it's a smarmy thing to do. And unfortunately my brain immediately jumps to this as opposed to the most important thing, which is, you know, players, mental health, physical health, et cetera, et cetera. My initial thought was, well, I mean, at least something's being done about this as opposed to the football franchise in DC where it looks like they can get away with murder. So, I mean, it's, it sucks to you know, have had this happen, but unfortunately, I guess it's maybe me looking for silver linings. At least there's some level of accountability to be had here. Yeah. Uh, yes. I would agree with that. Things need to hit. Things need to change, obviously, that that's not tolerated. Like we cannot tolerate that as a society, as a sports franchise, as a sports league at all. Um, hockey has a lot of issues with that at the lower tiers, specifically junior hockey, which um, for those of you, you who don't know, a lot of players coming out of uh, high school, well, end of high school early and then going to college, you kind of have the choice of going a few different routes. One of them is to the NCAA playing, you know, with the notable like uh, Big Ten teams, you know, ECHC teams and whatnot are American uh, colleges. The secondary move um, that I shouldn't really be saying is secondary. Maybe that's just my some American pride coming out there is um, you have the choice to go to juniors. And in the juniors uh, ranks, you're basically a professional hockey player you play i believe between 50 and 60 games a season you travel like a professional um there's three major leagues the quebec major junior western hockey league and then the ontario hockey league a large portion of the nhl players come through those junior ranks um with that being said and tying this back into this conversation uh at the junior level there's a ton of competition you have a lot of guys that are basically trying to do everything they can um good and bad (laughs) um to you know anything to get a little bit of leverage their their games are 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 broadcast on tv every night um opposed to college hockey here that isn't um and a lot of the coaching staffs uh in the junior ranks have direct connections to nhl coaching staffs there's a lot of overlap that's a lot of retired players ton of connections and with that being said you have a lot of hazing 
you have a lot of abuse, you have a lot of sexual allegations, it needs to change. There are lawsuits going on about that now, but at the end of the day, lawsuits are not, stuff needs to change. So, end rant. Yeah. So (laughs) I'm going to not so subtly and not so smoothly just shift topics because, I mean, man, what what a fun topic to talk about. But sticking with the city of Chicago, at least people there have something to be happy about right now. The Bulls are looking good in the NBA. <laughs> That's true. So, it was a, a, a ball, right? Ball's been on fire, right? Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine is you know looking like Zach Levine again. Um, I'll admit for our listeners, Chris and I aren't the hugest NBA fans. I'm much more of a college basketball person. Chris, as you can tell, is a hockey guy. But I do keep tabs on everything. Uh, I know Chris does as well, just because you know we're both interested in the sports world. Uh, the two biggest things that are coming up though, in terms of like topics of interest, the Lakers look awful, which I think many people were predicting, except for experts who gave them like such a high chance to win the title. Maybe they get their act together. Maybe they don't. I don't know. They look rough. Uh, and then the other thing that has really caught my eye so far this season is man, New York Knicks fans are hugely happy with their franchise, just being confident because they have no chance of winning the title. And after game one, where they took down the Celtics, their fans were acting like they won the title. You have to feel for them, though. I mean, the Knicks have been bad for so long. Do I? I mean, New York fans, do, am I really that obligated to feel bad for them? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Because also, it's better, it's better for basketball when the Knicks are good. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, in our lifetime, they really haven't been. They had a, a brief little like flash when uh, Stoudemire was there. They had a brief little flash when Mello was there. Um, but other than that, I mean, obviously back in the day they were good. But now, I mean, I, I'm content with a with a competent team. I would like to see them doing you know do well. Um, backtracking to the Lakers, it's funny. I I think or I wonder how many of those Laker projections for this year. We're basically just like, oh, hey, LeBron's on that team. We need to kiss, you know, kiss his behind a little bit and stay on his good side. Yeah, kiss the rings, right? Yeah. Um, Because they are the oldest team in the league, if I'm not wrong. It's not even close. They are the oldest team in the league. Yeah, I mean, and obviously with that, you're going to have guys that do um, pop up out of nowhere. Obviously, they're skilled, but they are getting old. And I heard LeBron's already, is he questionable or has he been ruled out for tonight with right ankle something or other? As far as I know, he's still questionable. Um, He'll probably play. He might limit his minutes a little bit. I don't know. And I say he might because I feel like LeBron is the one who makes that decision. uh, As (laughs) most people in the media think that he's the one who makes those decisions. So I think he'll play. Uh, I think he may not be as effective, but I also think that the way that he's probably looking at things now is looking at this going, guys, it's, it's the end of October. Sure. We have a tough start to the season, but yeah, of he, course. He, he's, he's used to this, you know, it's, of course. it's a different context because they are the oldest team in the league. But when he was in Miami, it was basically him, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh and a bunch of add-ons and they struggled at first just because, you know, you've got three superstars and a bunch of old dudes on minimum contracts. So similar feeling, different context in the end, though. Uh, I'll, I'll keep my eyes on it as, as things go along. But to me, the NBA season still really doesn't start until Christmas. Totally. No, I agree with that. I know um, 
I, I have family down in New Orleans, and I, I think uh, something I'm trying to keep an eye on is the Zion situation. He's obviously struggling a lot with injuries. When he's played, he's looked great. Um, I just – New Orleans, the Pelicans specifically, don't have the best luck of holding on the Stars. Um, unnotably, they lost uh, Davis, right, Anthony mm-hmm. Davis, and then um, who's the other guy? Cousins, right? Boogie Cousins. He was there. He he basically had a cup of coffee there. But uh, they had Chris Paul before that. Uh, yeah. I'd even say David West because David West was never like a superstar, but he was a really really good player. And they couldn't even hold on to him. Their, their biggest issue is honestly the family that owns the Saints is the same family that owns the Pelicans, and they care a whole lot more about the Saints than they do the Pelicans. Yeah, I mean, same goes for the whole state of Louisiana. For being honest. Yeah, um, of course. Uh... It's hard not to care about. The, I mean, the the South is just you know one hundred percent football all the time. Um, but yeah, I Except for baseball. Don't don't forget about baseball. Uh, yeah. I, it's it's not as much of a religion as it is for the for Midwest, football. man. Yeah, I just I say that because I like I look at it as a comparison. It's like I say baseball and lacrosse are the same season sports wise and. I've always said that, you know, lacrosse shouldn't judge its success in getting a foothold in the country as becoming a mainstream sport on its Western expansion. They should judge it more on if they can get into the deep South because they're so steeped in tradition between football and baseball that if you can start changing mindsets to be more like lacrosse centric during baseball season, then, you know, that's a real mark of success. But that's a conversation for another time. Uh, We're not here to talk lacrosse today. Uh, especially because I've mentioned baseball right now, we are doing a disservice to the MLB because the world series is going to start tonight. We have yet to talk about it. So last time we were on, we talked with RDT from Barstool about it. He was pretty certain that the Astros and the Dodgers were going to get to the world series. He was 50% correct. We've got Houston and Atlanta playing. Uh, seems like it's a interesting way for both teams to have gotten here, but Chris, how do you see this playing out now that we're here? How I see it playing out or how I want it to play out? Well, both. I see it playing out with the Astros taking it because they've been there before, cheating or not. How I want to see it play out is I would love to see the Braves win it. Um, You could argue that seeing the Astros win it is good for baseball. And... uh, they cheated okay i can understand being really pissed off about that um rightly so you know we we don't want that but unfortunately it happens in every sport um the big thing for me is that the braves have not been good in so long so you know i i'm gonna take the size of it's good for baseball to have some some mix up in it the braves are you know when was the last time they were in the in the world series late 90s late 90s yeah i mean that's two decades ago not to make us feel old, but, um, <laughs> you know, like I, I would love to see the Braves win it. Also, I mean, yeah, it's weird because once again, we're talking to two Southern teams. So maybe, maybe, maybe you're right with that, but. Um, it's not the most interesting matchup if we're, it, or at no. least it, it's more regionally based if we're being honest. I, I'm also curious, uh, I guess my, my biggest thing with watching it, and I would love to know, um, you know, maybe if we get RTD back on, the Astros, from from what I understand, are basically this is like their last hoorah as this core. They have to; they're basically getting blown up with free agency and I guess you know cap limits and whatnot. Um, 
after the season. And there's rumors that there's going to be some Astro guys that may float up the Chesapeake Bay and end up in the Harbor. Um, not literally, but, you know, playing at Camden Yards for the O's um, just because of the connection with uh, the coaching staff and GM who were formerly in Houston. So that could be interesting. Um, but yeah, I see the Astros winning, but I would love to see the Braves win. So I'll admit, um, I am happy that the Astros are back, or I guess not necessarily happy, but I'm not mad because I think that that was probably one of the best storylines baseball could have asked for was, you know, the franchise who was caught cheating. Uh, now everybody is, you know, keeping a really, really sharp eye on them. They still managed to get back there, but they're still the villains. So you've got that sort of aspect to it. Uh, I just, I enjoy a good villain story. It, it drives you know, better, better action, better responses from people. It just gets them more involved. So I'm happy to see them there uh, for that purpose. I also wouldn't mind if they won because I think that Duster, uh, Duster, Dusty Baker has been a very, very good to excellent manager who just hasn't been able to get over the World Series hump. And if he gets a chance to take one home, and maybe he takes it as a, a way to like kind of ride off into the sunset. He gets his World Series. He goes, that's it. I got my wand. I've been doing this forever. Time to retire. Would be kind of nice to see him ride off into the, into the sunset like that. Uh, but also at the same time, I do think that Atlanta is going to win because I don't know if you caught this, but Houston's ace, Lance McCullers, is out for the whole series. And for baseball, you're only as good, especially in the playoffs, as your next starting pitcher Atlanta still has their ace and Charlie Morton Houston doesn't have Lance McCullers for this series Dallas Keuchel isn't walking through that door when he was still really good I think they'll have a chance uh, I think it'll be a lot more closely contested than people expected but I mean look at what Atlanta did to Los Angeles's pitching staff where they got Scherzer Walker Bueller, uh, unfortunately, Kershaw wasn't able to pitch this postseason, but they had some names, some well-known names in their lineup, and Atlanta beat them straight up. So I could just see it as, you know, this is the year that Atlanta takes it home. Uh, and on the same token where I'd be really happy for Dusty Baker to win one, admittedly, I feel a little disappointed if Atlanta won one because I'd feel bad that Ronald Acuna – Acuna? Acuna? Acuna, I think. Acuna, yeah. I'm doing great at this pronunciation thing today. But he's been out for the season, and he's one of the most electric players in baseball. He just doesn't get the same publicity as, like, a Fernando Tatis. But he's out for the year. And so he's still a part of the team, of course. But it would have just been cool to see him, like, actually be in the starting rotation of, uh, of hitters when they actually won. So maybe they run it back to back years. He's healthy next year. They come back and win it. But uh, like, I won't mind if they win. I'll just be a little bit bummed for him that he wasn't able to actually get in on the action. Yeah. I mean, of course, you, you know, regardless of the sport, you really want to see, um, you know, you, you want the stars playing, right? I mean, th there's no, you need your star players one, like it or not for the media to kind of build around, but two, um, it just adds so much excitement to the league. Obviously, there are other great stories, obviously, uh, littered with both of these teams. Um, but at the end of the day, you want the stars playing. So, Yeah. I mean, if, if San Diego had made it one into the playoffs and then two into the World Series, 
would we not want Fernando Tatis playing? Totally, 100%. And yeah. Machado. Well, yes, but the, the name brand is Tatis. So I'm just comparing one-to-one, not two-to-one here, Chris. True. Yeah. Well, this is going to be an interesting weekend uh, coming up outside of baseball because, uh, one, I won't be around. So when Chris is keeping up with college football action, I'll be catching up at the end of the night because I've got some other things going on. But this was billed to be the best weekend of college football that we would have so far. Uh, unfortunately, some some recent events have kind of diminished that a little bit, but still got a pretty good slate of games this weekend. Uh, so let's get right into our picks like we normally do each week, Chris. Starting off with probably what is going to be, in my estimation, the tightest matchup of the day, Michigan versus Michigan State, in-state rivalry. I'm not going to lie. I'm a kind of closet Michigan State fan because I grew up also enjoying Tom Izzo, coach their basketball team. So kind of extended to the rest of the school. Uh, also just really love the Spartans logo. I know it's kind of a shallow way to look at it, but hey, I was a kid. I latched on, stuck with it. So unless they were uh, unless they were playing Maryland, I enjoyed it when they won. So even for football, I'm going to say I'll enjoy it if they win this game. And I may have some friends up in Michigan who are just a teensy bit obnoxious with their U, uh, University of Michigan fandom. So I won't mind seeing them lose. But what do you see happening here, Chris? So, I mean, I think you, you, you check the box right off the bat. This is going to be a close game. I mean, there's there's so many storylines with this um, going from obviously Harbaugh and his tenure, which was, you know, iffy um, heading into the season. Uh, safe to say, you know, obviously Michigan's showing up. On the other side of the ball, um, Mel Tucker has done a f- fantastic job at Michigan State. Um, so obviously both coaches have a lot that they're still playing for. Uh, I think it's safe to say that Harbaugh's job security is definitely locked up for next year. Regard, I mean, uh, unless I, I they totally know. collapse. I don't know. Um, so both, you know, both of these are just both these teams are kind of just quintessential Big Ten hard running they're, they're both great rushing offenses both great defenses um i think it's going to come down to quarterback play and who trusts their quarterback more um and i'll be honest if, if there is a weakness it's definitely michigan state's pass defense um so um i also wonder like is mel tucker possibly looking at maybe the lsu job maybe looking at the usc job I would personally hope not. I would love to see him stay at Michigan State. Um, but between the two quarterbacks, I trust Mc, uh, McNamara more. Um, I trust Harbaugh a bit more, mainly because it doesn't sound had, like you do. No, well, uh, mainly because he has done a decent job against other ranked teams, notably every team except for Mich- uh, Michigan State. Oh my gosh, Ohio State. Um, and now. I think that you, you you're saying his his job is still wishy-washy but um i think he has to win this game you think he has to win this game or the ohio state game both but i think it starts with this one like if, if he loses if he loses this game and beats ohio state there's a better chance that he stays but also i think that if he loses this game i, I think there's just even less of a chance that they'll beat ohio state so yeah, I mean, I, I like I said, so the reason I'm siding with Michigan over Michigan State is the first four weeks of the season, McNamara threw 
uh, his highest pass totals were 16 attempts in a game. The past few weeks, he's thrown at least 27 passes a game. So there's some trust, obviously, you know, shaking off some rust and uh, obviously has done a very competent job. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'm going with Michigan here um, and I'm taking the under. So Is under set of 51 and a half. So you're not thinking a whole lot of points, right? Correct. All right. Now, how about Michigan with the four point spread? Do you think that they cover that or do you think Michigan State keeps it tight within a field goal? I think it's going to be tight within a field goal. Okay. So I'll admit I'm going a little bit contrarian. Actually, I'm going full blown contrarian on you with this one. Uh, I have Michigan State. I think that when Michigan State is built to this kind of point where even even when they are a very good team, there is still plenty of people who discount them. So there's plenty of people who are looking at Michigan State like they're frauds right now. And they have the chance to either prove that correct or prove that wrong. And I've seen in the past, granted, new coaching staff, but I've seen in the past where they tend to prove it wrong and they come up big in spots like this. And then, you know, whenever they get around to playing Ohio State, Ohio State just outclasses them. But these in-state rivalry games, Michigan State, I think, takes a little bit more seriously than Michigan because Michigan views OSU as their rival, whereas they look at Michigan State as just kind of like a little brother type. So to me, this feels like the spot where Michigan State pulls it off. People start asking questions about Harbaugh again. Sometimes time is a flat circle, and I feel like this is the time of year for people to start wondering, is, is Jim Harbaugh going to keep his job? So I feel like that's going to happen. So with that, I obviously think Michigan State will cover the four-point spread if I think they're going to win. And I'm taking the over mostly because wow. I think this game of any game this weekend has a high potential for overtime. So I think that, you know, with how tight the game could be, that there's just enough scoring with you. Maybe we get another nine overtime game again. <laughs> I doubt it, but, and I certainly hope not. I hope not. <laughs> but I think with the potential for there to be an overtime and the fact that these two offenses are a little bit better than Illinois and Penn State, that's going to give me the over on this one. All right. Well, we'll have to wait and see. That's going to be a good game regardless. A little bit sad that I won't get to watch it, but at the same time, I've got more important things going on, so I'm really not that distraught. Life happens. Life happens. Exactly. Uh, now, the next game, this one's going to be an interesting one. The What's the name of it? The, the Greatest Outdoor Cocktail Party or something like that? Very, uh, close to it at the, at the very least. Georgia and Florida. This game's played in Jacksonville. This was a game that I railed about earlier in the season. I hate the fact that it's played on a neutral field. I get it, but I still hate it. But no team is truly the home team in this game. Uh, Georgia looks like the class of the country, not just the SEC. They're favored by 14 and a half. It's actually a kind of low spread for them compared to most of the ones we've been seeing with them this year. Granted, Florida did keep it close with Alabama earlier this year. So there's potential there. We don't know what's going to happen, especially with the quarterback situation. So, Chris... Are you in the same boat as me that it's Georgia until somebody proves me wrong? I'm going with, yeah, I'm going to agree with you on that. Um, I, I do think that this is the best team that Georgia has faced yet. I will say that why I'm not predicting an upset is one, because Georgia has looked that dominant so far. 
Um, they have the, the best defense in all of college football. I think that that goes without question. Sneaky good offense, and they haven't even had JT Daniels for most of the season. Um, so I'd be curious to see if, if and when he's healthy, does he play? And will that impact anything? Will Russ be a factor? I don't know. Um, but notable is that last year, um, Bennett, who's the backup and or current starter for, for Georgia, did struggle against Florida. Um, it is a big rivalry game. This should be the 330 CBS game, if I'm not uh, wrong. I believe it is. It should definitely be. Um, if but, it's not, somebody over at CBS <laughs> is failing at their job. Yeah, really. Um, so, I mean, the, the, the Gators have a good offense, um, but they're really mistake prone. Um, they'll put up points, but it's like a lot of just trying to play catch up. Um, and obviously they started the year ranked 13th and, you know, in the past four weeks, they've gone two and two with road losses to Kentucky, who is better than what I think, uh, a lot of people think, you know, I think that they are a competent team and then a, a loss to LSU, which LSU is not too happening this year. So I'm, I'm sticking with Georgia here. Um, as for over, man. That's a huge spread. I mean, they had a pretty big spread against Kentucky, too, and they managed to cover it. Yeah. All right. You know, I'm going to play copycats. I'm going to go with the covering it and then uh, taking the over as well. So I'm verbatim of what you're picking here. All right. Well, Chris gave my picks away. Uh, I am taking Georgia. I'm taking Georgia to cover the 14 and a half point spread. I'm taking the over because unlike some of the teams in the SEC that Georgia has played, like, they exposed Arkansas for just not being where they thought they were at that point. Um, Auburn has put up some points on them. Hit or uh, miss team, though. True. And Kentucky was also able to put up some points on them, which leads me to believe that, you know, despite looking absolutely dominant against Arkansas, Arkansas has proven to not be so good. And then against some teams who actually are better, they have been able to put up some points against them. So, I think Georgia covers. I think they cover easily, but I think Florida can put up enough points to take care of the over. So, and plus, I think they are bringing the overs on these games down a little bit more to kind of meet expectations and also just kind of over expect Georgia to, to like shut down teams defensively, or at least, you know, maybe people who are making these lines think the general public uh, trust Georgia a little bit more than maybe they should at this point because some of the things I'm hearing in the media is kind of treating Georgia's defense like it's the early 2000s Ravens defense. Well, one thing I, I, I mean, and rightly so, so far they've looked great. With that being said, I, they, there's still a lot, of, a lot of games left to be played. And I have to, the one thing that's slipping into my mind and would make me want to pick Florida, I'm not going to, but Georgia has to be looking in the rearview mirror and saying, holy crap, none of these other top teams are undefeated, except obviously down the line a little bit, you got the Michigan and Michigan State, but at least within the playoff picture right now, or the the current top four, um, obviously Cincinnati is, but that's a different re- realm. Um, group of five team. Yeah, group of five team and, you know, had a rough, rough go this past week with Navy. So, you know, does Georgia start peering a little bit and saying, well, Alabama has one loss? You know, I I hope that's not the case. I would love to see Georgia, you know, prove that they're act like they've been there before, prove that they deserve this. So going with Georgia. Yeah, I mean, I think that 
the key for Georgia this year is one, they haven't gotten over the hump yet. So I think their coaching staff can drive that home as saying, you know, like, Hey, if you guys start to let up, things will happen like they have in the past where we get tripped up when we think we have a shot at the title here. And also I think that Georgia wants to stay undefeated and they want to beat Alabama in the sec title, because I think that gives them the best chance to be the only sec team in the playoff. And I think they would prefer that over any other possible scenario. So I think if the coaching staff is doing things, how I would try to do it, it would be, you know, Hey, don't look back, look forward to making sure that we set ourselves up for the best chance for success. Totally. Totally. Yeah. That would now, be the Kirby smart thing to do. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, <laughs> that hurts. All right. Moving forward, moving forward, oh, moving forward. Is my dad here? Oh, jeez. Oh, all right. Yeah. Moving forward. So <laughs> the only team right now that looks like a legitimate threat to Georgia outside of saving Alabama is Ohio State. And this was what I was kind of referring to earlier with some events that have kind of taken the shine off of this weekend. Ohio State's hosting Penn State. Penn State coming off two straight losses uh, to Iowa. And as we've mentioned, Illinois in a crazy nine overtime game. If Penn State hadn't lost to Illinois, I want to say even, and Iowa, but I think even if they, they had still lost to Iowa, especially because they were playing in Iowa and Sean Clifford got injured, he's, he'll be playing against Ohio State. I don't think Ohio State comes out as 19 and a half point favorites, but We've gotten to the point where Ohio State is 19 and a half point favorites, and I don't think the odds makers are that crazy for it. So, Chris, again, same boat, Ohio State until somebody proves us wrong? Yeah, picking Ohio State, I mean, I, I think uh, it's safe to say that Ohio State has definitely righted the ship. They had a r- rough start to the season. Um, but, you know, over the past month, they're, they're averaging almost 600 yards a game and almost 60 points a game with no tur- turnovers. That's unreal. I mean, C.J. Stroud obviously uh, had some preseason, uh, preseason, early season struggles, has clearly shaken them off. Um, 22 touchdowns of three picks. Those three picks came early in the year. Um, I will say I would wonder if this is a trap game because Ohio State in the, in the upcoming weeks does have uh, Michigan State and Michigan, who obviously you know are going head-to-head this weekend. Um but I just I don't trust Penn State's offense at all, Clifford or not. I mean, it's that that was ugly the other day, <laughs> and I mean, I you know it goes back to a few weeks ago when I was like, do I trust Clifford to even make a forward pass? Uh, <laughs> from the start of the season to now, because I mean, we gotta remember that Wisconsin game was also atrocious to start the season. Right. I mean, the, I think the one quote unquote bright spot was the Auburn game for them. Um, also something that's not getting a ton of traction. Uh, obviously Penn state's coach, James Franklin um, has been rumored for the USC job um, or at least in the talks. I know there's been a lot of names, including Mike Tomlin's name thrown out there, which is crazy. That's that so was, stupid. That was just something <laughs> saying, but honestly though, that was just Carson Palmer saying that you, a USC would take a run at somebody like that. Not that Mike Tomlin would actually consider that. Yeah, and if you I listen mean, to Mike Tomlin's press conference, uh, this he shot it down instantly. Yeah, he, he straight up was just like, I don't have time for this. Yeah. Um, so, with that being said, 
James Franklin switched agents last week, and that did not get talked about. I will comment Josh Pate was the first one to really put this out there. Um, it's not a good look, first off, and gets you, you know, raising some eyebrows. It's even a worse look when you lose because of that. Taking care of some personal business instead of maybe prepping the offense a little more so you can put up some more points against Illinois. So going to Ohio State here, um, I'm going to take the over, and I think they will cover. I think they're going to smack the crap out of Penn State. Yeah, I'm taking the under on this, which is said it's 60 and a half. And the main reason why is it's just because Penn State looked so awful. Uh, their their defense, I think, will put up enough resistance that they'll keep Ohio State from scoring 60 themselves. I would, cer- <laughs> I would certainly hope so. They're Penn State. Yeah. But their offense just looks so bad. Uh, one thing that is kind of getting lost in the shuffle sometimes because everyone wants to talk C.J. Stroud because he's a quarterback. And then also Chris Olave, because he's, you know, obviously one of the best. He's one of, if not the best receiver out there. He should be playing on Sundays right now. Travion Henderson is a monster. Dude, I mean, Ohio State, skill position-wise, I mean, I know Stroud's playing out of his mind right now, but that quarterback room is stacked, too. That running back room is stacked. That receiver, I mean, Ohio State and receiver, you know, that's like, you know, uh, spaghetti and meatballs. They go hand in hand. That's, uh, yeah. I, Olave, man, if he falls to the Ravens. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. But I will say, no. a quick little shout out here. I don't know if uh, we have any listeners that were watching the Notre Dame-USC game this past weekend. Drake London is a beast receiver too. Um, he's averaging like almost 15 catches a game. And uh I think he's not as flashy as Olave, but he's more of like a, I, I would take either of them right now. And the Ravens desperately need receivers, maybe, possibly. Uh, I mean, I feel like Baltimore will always feel like they need receivers just because Baltimore isn't known as like a, a passing kind of team, no yeah. matter who, who's at quarterback. And it always seems like the receivers are kind of looked down on no matter Middle who they the pack. are. Well, yeah. we haven't had luck drafting guys at all. Well, a lot I, of our draft picks have been. I'll give you this. So Marquise Brown looks like he's kind of getting his act together. True. So I think that that's a very good positive sign. Uh, Rashad Bateman, it seems like every time he's catching a ball, he's getting a first down. So that looks like a quality pickup for you guys. Um, but I'll, I'll digress. You're not getting a lave. It's not going to happen. He's going top 10. <laughs> A man can dream. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and then that's good because you know what? The Ravens are not getting a top 10 pick, so. (laughs) I mean, we kind of knew that, even though Cincinnati (laughs) dog-walked them this past weekend. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, we we both have Ohio State. Speaking of dog-walking, dog-walking the heck out of Penn State. So let's move on to a game that has kind of grown in terms of interest. I think a few weeks ago, we definitely would not have kept track of this game but Houston and SMU kind of becoming a big game, not just for SMU and Houston. You know, Houston's got Dana Holgerson. They're trying to, you know, kind of establish a culture there, especially, you know, De'Ara King leaves when Holgerson's there, trying to get the team to be better. And also, if there's a university that's got that want to, to be that top dog and has no problem doing whatever they need to to get to be the top dog, it's Houston. It used to be SMU when they were notably, as in, uh, shown in the Pony Excess, 30 for 30. 
it, they were handing out, you know, paper bags to players with money straight up in the locker room. They used to be that program. Uh, they did get the death penalty. Now it looks like they're kind of returning the relevance. But this game is also huge for Cincinnati because if I'm Cincinnati, I am putting all of my chips into rooting for SMU until they catch each other in the second to last week of their regular season because SMU is now in the top 25. If they keep winning and, you know, we see some things happen, Penn State loses again, uh, either Michigan State or Michigan kind of take a tumble because the next three weeks are going to be brutal in the Big Ten. Anything like that that happens, even in in the next game we'll talk after this, if Texas clips Baylor, SMU keeps climbing the ranks, if Cincinnati can play SMU and take them down and then potentially take them down again, because I believe the American has a, a conference championship game, if they take yes, them down twice, do. that looks even better on their resume, which a lot of people are saying, especially with, you know, the, the resurgence after losing to Oregon by Ohio State. If Alabama wins the SEC title and, you know, they, them and Georgia go in with one loss, if Oregon runs the table in the Pac-12, wins their conference championship, they stay undefeated, Oklahoma stays undefeated. There's a lot of factors that are looking like Cincinnati could get left out again. So having another top 25, hopefully maybe top 20, top 15 victory could be huge for them. And I'm not going to lie. I want to see Cincinnati in the playoff, even if they get absolutely waxed. I just want to see it happen. So that is absolutely 1000% influencing my pick here. I am taking SMU. I am taking SMU to obviously cover the one and a half point uh, spread since they are the underdog. Uh, The over here is set at 63 and a half. The one thing that I will say for certain is both of these teams know how to put up some points. And it also looks like both teams kind of struggle to play some defense. So I think this one might be, despite being the highest over under we have on our slate, I think this one might be the easiest over to predict. So give me the over because I'm seeing the points fest here, but give me SMU most importantly to win the game. I will definitely agree points, you know, points, points, points. I think, um, Historically, it's it's it doesn't get talked about a lot, but Houston's always been an offensive factory. Maybe not with producing NFL quality talent, but um, they uh, mid two thousands they were running a crazy spread offense like up there with Hawaii that was just all out shooting out teams every single week. Um, uh, uh, Case Keenum, notably. Sudden, I'm pretty sure he held a ton of uh, NCAA records for passing, but I digress. So um, I'm actually going to go with, uh, I'm taking the over, if that wasn't obvious, but I'm taking uh, Dana Holgerson's Houston, the Cougars. Um, mainly, I mean, I, I, I would love to see a good upset story, obviously. Um, I think that this thickens the plot just in that mushy middle. Um, Houston's been relatively good on defense, though, Um, only allowing 17 points a game um, and only allows roughly 23% of third downs to convert. Um, Now, granted, Houston and SMU are the only or two or two of the three undefeated teams in the AAC. So um, this is a huge game. This might as well be the conference championship game. Right. I mean. Safe to say, minus. Uh, I mean, if SMU Cincinnati. wins, then their game against Cincinnati becomes the de facto conference championship. Right, right, right. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm going. I'm, you know, once again trying to trying to get even on the season. So I'm going Houston. So taking the over. 
for the for the sake of clarification with our audience, uh, Houston is a one and a half point favorite. So just make sure. Do you think it's going to be a one point game and SMU covers, or are you also taking Houston to cover that one and a half points? Houston to cover that one and a half points. All right, good enough. Now let's stay in the, uh, stay in the state of Texas. Texas traveling to Baylor. Uh, one thing I didn't realize up until recently about Baylor is Dave Aranda is their head coach, and he was the defensive coordinator for that LSU squad that just absolutely pumped. And I, I'm purposely censoring myself on that one, but just pumped every other team that they played that year. And Baylor, they're they're having a really good season. They they did get clipped by Oklahoma State, who barely lost to Iowa State. <sighs> kind of upset because I thought Oklahoma State would win that one. But if not for getting clipped against Oklahoma State, they would be having an undefeated season of their own right now. So Baylor's looking good. Texas is, again, improved. Uh, so, Chris, where, where do you see this playing out? I, I'm taking Baylor here mainly because I don't trust Texas to finish out games. Obviously, they've been able to put up points. They've been able to, to you know, Red River rivalry. That was an absolute shoot. Wait, wait. Yes. It's the, it's, uh, Tex- I think they, Tex- they either call it the rivalry or the showdown. Showdown, whatever it is, against Oklahoma <laughs> a few weeks ago. I mean, they're, they're able to put up points, but I just, I, I, can they put together two complete halves of football? I don't know. Obviously, they need to prove it, but I'm going with Baylor here. Simple as that. All right. um, Two and a half point spread. Do you think they cover? Yes. All right. And over under set at 61 and a half. I'm, I, I admit, I'm kind of checking myself on this one. I'm going to take the under. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because I think Dave Aranda, defensive coordinator, good, good defense. But over under set at 61 and a half. So where, where are you on that? I'm going to take the over. Okay. So I think there's going to be, there's going to be points. I think it's safe to say Texas and Baylor both know how to put up points. Um, so yeah, I think maybe it's because like last week I was also getting a little bit burned. I, I got a little over happy. So I think this, this just to me feels like that game where like you expect it to go over, but it's just going to like just barely creep under. So, you know, they'll sit at like 60 points as opposed to 61 and a half, uh, the actual game total, not, you know, what they're predicting. So I've got Baylor winning this as well. Uh, gone are the days of Art Bryles, thankfully, because it seemed like that was an absolute <laughs> mess of what was going on there. Um, you know, when they weren't actually murdering people on the field because they were just a really good football team. Uh, a lot of problems that they seem to have gotten cleaned up. Uh, Dave Aranda, really, really good coach. Uh, it does seem like Sarkeesian, like we've mentioned, is getting things better at Texas, but maybe just because he doesn't have his guys there. Uh, like you said, they do struggle with closing out games. Give me Baylor. Give me Baylor to cover the two and a half point spread. I am a little bit surprised that it is this close of a spread. I was thinking maybe like three and a half, four, uh, just because I feel like, you know, Baylor, despite having lost to Oklahoma State, they are having the much better season. Uh, But that could also be odds makers taking a look at Baylor's schedule and saying, who have you really played besides Oklahoma State? So a little bit of a surprise to me, but. Moving to our final FBS game of the week. One that has a surprising potential of impact for the ACC conference race. Louisville traveling to Raleigh to take on NC State. NC State, notably the team that tripped up Clemson first in conference, uh, as opposed to Pitt, who took them down last week. They broke Uh, Dabo. (laughs) They did. 
But this this game has a lot of uh, potential for impact for me because Louisville's kind of that frisky team that they're not good, but they're not bad. And for an NC State team that could be taking a look ahead on their schedule, this could be a spot for them to get tripped up because you know, Louisville is, other than getting absolutely boat raced by Ole Miss early in the season, Louisville hasn't been bad. And, and you know, they seem to, their quarterback play seems to be getting a lot better throughout the season. They've got playmakers that just don't get as much publicity as others. So especially since NC State, when I saw them against Clemson and other times I've seen them, their offensive game didn't look super smooth. If they come out and they play kind of an ugly game, which is what I think this will be, it just won't be the prettiest thing to watch. They could get tripped up here, which could give Wake Forest an even clearer path to the ACC title game as they stay undefeated despite getting into an absolute gong show (laughs) with Army last week. I mean, just a quick aside, Wake Forest and Army both covered the over on their own last week. Uh, Wake Forest scored 70 points with less than 18 minutes of possession. Yeah, I was going to say, think about this. Penn State and Illinois go to nine overtimes, can't even come close to sniffing the over. And Wake Forest and Army just both wreck the over on their own. There was 126 points in the entire game. I think the over-under was set at like 51 or 52 or something. So, yeah, that was that was both fun and absolutely gross to watch. Uh, but getting back to, to Wolfpack and Cardinals, uh, I've got NC State winning this. I am, frankly, a little bit surprised to see the spread at seven and a half in NC State's favor. Uh, I did expect it to, you know, they'd be favored. They're at home. They've definitely been the better team throughout the season. But they don't play a particularly great style of football. Like I said, I think this game's going to be pretty ugly to watch. So for that, I thought that the score, it, it may be one of those games where the score isn't as indicative as how the game went. So like NC State could be the dominant team, but the scoreboard would just be closer just because Louisville kind of has that ability to keep it close. And NC State doesn't really have, like we were saying with Texas, a great ability to put teams away. So where, where are you standing on this? So I, I'm taking NC State. I like Louisville. However, I think that they are way too dependent on Cunningham. Their quarterback, Malik Cunningham, you know, follows in the mold of Lamar and uh, Teddy Bridgewater before before him. I mean, he's a beast. I mean, he's rushed for sixth, sixth most rushing yards in a season. Um, and he's I mean, he's a straight up dual threat guy. Um, with that said, NC State has a very good defense, and um, I just I don't see Louisville being able to do enough to win this game. Um, so my official pick is NC State um, covering uh, covering the spread, and then t- I'm taking the under. Right? Did I I messed that up? Didn't no, I? No, no. You're you're taking NC State to win by more than seven. Yes, because of their defense. If okay, NC okay. State. <laughs> If NC State, sorry, if that's flipped, it's because Louisville just straight up balls out. Uh, and you said you're taking the under, right? Correct. Okay. The, so, I at least agree with you on the under. I definitely think Louisville covers, but I'm, I'm, I'm surprised just because I, I don't know if NC State has the ability to put a team like this away by more than seven. That's why the game's played. Let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. 
All right, uh, so let's finish up with our, our kind of like a little fun topic that we always end each with. We'll, we'll jump to the FCS. Uh, as we try to do every week, we've got a top 20 matchup for you guys. Southern Illinois is going to be traveling to Northern Iowa. Uh, frankly, I didn't even know Northern Iowa had a football team. Great fan work by me. Uh, but Southern Illinois, we did discuss them earlier in the year. They came back, had an absolutely wacky game against, I believe it was South Dakota State. Uh, they ended up winning that game in overtime when early on it looked like South Dakota State was going to run away with it. No puns involving their mascot being a jackrabbit intended, but or also Southern Illinois being a Saluki, which if you're unfamiliar is a very, very fast breed of dog. Um, but I will make a pun now and say that I think SIU runs away with this one. Uh, Chris, you're taking Northern Iowa. I'm surprised. I- explain. Well, so mainly just trying to, to stick with the whole FCS madness that has occurred. I mean, if you just take a look at the top 25 and the, the, the overall records in the FCS, it's kind of mushy. Um, Southern Illinois has been rolling. However, they've won a lot of one-point games against notable teams. So there's two sides of the coin. You can see it as they're winning games against notable teams, but they're also winning games by – they have multiple one-point victories. Um so Northern Iowa had a great bounce pack week last uh, two weeks ago after their bye, um, <clears throat> after back-to-back losses. Um, they have three losses on this on the season. Um, one of them was to Ohio, uh, so not Ohio State, Iowa State, who they kept close. Now, granted, Iowa State is yeah, hit or they, miss. Well, they're they're better now. They just aren't. They're never great to start the year off. Yeah. So I mean, I'm just going with trying trying to add to the madness that is the FCS and. Uh, Going with the underdog here, going Northern Iowa. All right. Well, I, I met a few factors play into this for me, taking Southern Illinois. Uh, the fact that they did beat South Dakota State, who, while they're not the traditional powerhouse that North Dakota State is, they are a, a certainly a top team, and it really did look like South Dakota State was just going to wreck them that game. So really impressive to me that they came back to win that one. But then at the same time, SIU has been on the wrong side of a Scott Van Pelt bad beat, which is tough to forget. <laughs> so I, it, it, I was kind of weighing them back and forth, kind of flip a coin. And in the end for me, I just I kind of decided, as, as we've talked about on some other topics, I think for me, the cream is starting to rise to the top in the FCS. So maybe SIU isn't really the cream. But I think they're cl- they're closer to being the cream than, than Northern Iowa is. Uh, I don't know a ton about Northern Iowa. I do apologize if we happen to get any Northern Iowa fans listening to this. But I don't think that your home field advantage will be enough when I've seen SIU put up just crazy, crazy, crazy points when they were on the road as well. So I think they've shown that they can travel. I think that they take care of this one pretty comfortably. Uh, just a a quick little side note for the FCS. One thing that we haven't really talked about when it comes to it, because we have yet to talk about the number one team in the FCS. Sam Houston state is a wagon. Yeah. I mean, and I I could be wrong. Didn't they win in the spring? uh, I think so. I'd have to double check on that one. The, The spring season was just so weird to keep track of. Yeah. But they, they are an absolute wagoon. And I think at this point, it's just it's kind of like how it was with North Dakota State was for several years. I think it's just going to be a a rush to see who's going to be that team that faces them in the championship game. They 
They look so good. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, though. North Dakota State's back on track, man. They are. And I, I don't know. JMU is just always so hard to to not. I mean, as much as I don't want to root for them. JMU went just... down to Nova. So yeah, maybe yeah. maybe Nova gets there instead. Didn't Nova lose this past weekend? Or someone in the top five lost? Uh, I'd have to double check the the schedule uh, to see who it was that lost. But if it was Nova, I wouldn't be terribly shocked. I mean, they look good against Penn State for what they, that's worth. They they covered the spread. So, yeah. um, but as, as we're winding down, I'm going to try to see if I can figure out who it was that lost uh, while we're wrapping this up. So thanks again to everybody who is listening. Uh, thank you for following us as we've gotten through this. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please rate, review, and subscribe, uh, especially with the five-star ratings. We would love to get you know some more positive stuff, get into you know some more people's ears, get that like get our stuff on their pages as you know, like suggested podcasts. So if you can, please, you know, leave a nice review. We always love nice stuff. But even if you don't have anything nice to say, if you think that we totally suck, uh, let us know too, because you know, we'd love to, we'd love to figure out, you know, how we can improve. So Thanks again. Uh, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, A-V-G-S-E-A-N media. So average Sean media, uh, especially if you want to see our picks, both college and NFL each week, uh, you know, go, go to the Instagram page. I do post the spreadsheet pictures there. Uh, and then also just keep up with us on Facebook and Twitter. And I will finish this off by saying Villanova did not lose. In fact, they won 44 to nothing. Oof. It was Eastern Washington, right? Uh, they beat Rhode Island. They weren't playing Eastern Washington. Uh, oh, you're saying Eastern Washington lost? Uh, lost? Yeah, am I right on that? You're correct. They lost a one-point game to Weber State, which uh, we were just talking about a few weeks ago because they were playing Montana State, and that game looked really, really ugly. So now that I'm seeing this, I am actually fairly surprised Eastern Washington lost that game because neither Montana State nor Weber State looked particularly good. FCS madness. Why do you think I'm going Northern Iowa? <laughs> in fairness, Northern Iowa did also beat South Dakota State this past week. Uh, it just wasn't as much of a shootout as SIU South Dakota State was. So still give me SIU because I think they have a better chance of putting on more points. Um, but for the millionth time, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next time. <laughs>